Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minis and Movies, episode 22. I am John Spencer from More Than Dice. I'll be your host tonight, of course. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening, uh, especially if you're a patron. I want to thank you all for continuing to support the More Than Dice podcast and me. Uh, it really helps us continue doing what we do. So, today, I'm going to talk about uh, Dwindling Meta and if it means the death of a game locally. And in the movie section, I'm going to talk about Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Uh, so let's get started with that. Ron! Alright, well I'm drinking uh, Arizona sweet tea straight up because I don't feel like uh, drinking alcohol tonight because I gotta be responsible and stuff. I got stuff to do later. That requires me to be fully cognitive. So there you go. Alright, so we're going to talk about a dwindling meta and if it means death for your uh, local uh, local game. In your, for the game in your local group, let's say. So uh, this was sent to me on Twitter by Plague Reaper. I uh, thank you, Plague Reaper. I uh, do appreciate you throwing some ideas my way. If you guys ever have any ideas for me, feel free to hit me up at John O. Spencer on Twitter, John Oakland Spencer on Facebook, or John Oakland Spencer at Yahoo.com. Or you can hit us up through More Than Dice on Facebook or wherever. That would also work perfectly. So you now have a dwindling meta because reasons. Who cares why the reasons are? Is that going to kill your game locally? Well, the long and short of it is, it might, it might not. It really, really depends on if you and the rest of your uh, crew can keep a game going. Now, what I mean by that is, so, inherently, yes, a dwindling meta does mean that uh, the game is going to go away locally and you will not be able to play it. But that's kind of an asterisk. Any game can be kept alive by a handful of people who just want to keep it alive you know if you, if you really want to put all you can into the game you know keep playing it locally you can keep a game alive indefinitely i mean there's a lot of games that have survived quote unquote dying and i mean really dying i mean games that went away completely we played necromunda long after necromunda was gone we played blood bowl long after blood bowl was gone um and by gone i mean not really officially supported there were still models to be had here or there because this is the era before eBay, because it would have been really difficult to get a get models otherwise. So, how do you keep it from the uh, dwindling limit from destroying your game? Well, that's actually the easiest part, because you can control that yourself to an extent. The easiest way is to just keep playing. You and your crew keep playing. I know it sounds ultra simple, and you're like, John, there's got to be more to it than that. Well, really fucking not more than that. Just keep playing it, you and your guys, and be. And you kind of got to take it up a notch. You've got to be willing to have everyone watch. You're going to want, in this case, and I, I, I want you to paint your armies anyways, but in this case, you really, really got to paint your armies because you are an ambassador for that game at this point. You're basically, you're basically the outrider. You're basically the uh, henchman. You're basically the press ganger for that game now. Regardless of whether or not they actually have that service or the support you in any way, shape, or form, you are that man now. And you have to keep that sort of standard up, because if you don't, then you won't keep the game alive. And it sounds harsh, and it sounds terrible, but that's the way it is. We have games, like Batman Miniature Game is not big everywhere, but we have a dedicated local crew who keep playing every Friday. They're working on their models, they're out there in the front of the, ga in the, uh, front of the game room playing. They got a guy who supports them, the store supports them, because, you know, they still get stuff. So, you know, you can do that. Um, we've had people playing all sorts of games. I mean, 
honestly, Age of Sigmar was almost dead locally. There was a handful of guys playing it until the new edition came out. Um, back when 40k was, you know, in a really bad place. We had a handful of people still playing that, keeping that going. We've got people playing all sorts of games that are functionally dead, but they keep playing it, so people keep coming, so they get some views, they get some people there, they get some people playing, coming in, you know, looking at the games. Uh, unfortunately, War Machine of Hordes is like that locally. It is mostly dead. We've gone from having, you know, tons of people spread about amongst all the stores to we get a solid tournament crowd, but we got nothing, nothing as far as, you know, casual play and all. And that's a problem for that game. I mean, Infinity's not quite tapered off to that point, but it's still kind of low. I mean, honestly, it's getting to the point where there's so many games that it f almost feels like most games are like that. And the meta is not necessarily directly tied to the health of the game. There are games like Star Wars Legion that I never see anyone playing, but I know the local meta is healthy because there's people playing it. There's just a lot of games people play at home. You remember, that is actually a thing people do. Um, so, what else can you do besides playing the game? Well, you've got a network. You've got to find the people locally who want to play. You're going to have to organize some events to get those people out, communicate with them, and start a Facebook group, an email group. I mean, email groups are so, you know, 2010, you know what I mean? But if you want to, it's better than the Facebook group. Not everyone's on Facebook. I have several friends who aren't on Facebook. Yes, they're crazy, but you know what? That's their choice. So you do that, you you got to keep scheduling events, and don't make them all tournaments, because you're not going to get all the people for tournaments. Make them cool events, make them narrative campaigns, just plan a day, like, alright, we're going to play three games, and here's the scenario, and, you know, we're going to do however you want to do it. You will do a quick, you know, ladder campaign, uh, three games is plenty to play a little ladder campaign, you know, each side wins or loses, then you totaled up, up, good guys won, bad guys lost, or bad guys won, good guys lost. There's a lot of stuff you can do with that, but you have to be willing to put the effort in. And that's really the biggest problem. Whereas going in and slapping your models down and playing a game is super easy when the meta's strong. Uh, when the meta becomes weak and starts to break up, you're going to have to shoulder more of that burden. You're going to have to be Johnny on the spot, ready to play a game, ready to jump out if two other guys are willing to play a game because you want everyone else to keep playing. And I know that's horrible. You're, you're, you're basically you're investing in the future at that point. You're spending your time making sure those guys get to play so that you have a future to play. And not every week. Some weeks someone else will be more interested in dropping out. But, you know, every once in a while, if it's not an easy decision who's going to drop out, you drop out make sure those guys can play. And you just got to keep at it for a long time. Very few miniature games nowadays die a permanent death. I mean, D&D &D miniatures is probably the only one, but that's licensed. And that's a license that they're not going to give up. Otherwise, I mean, games get bought by other companies. Games come back. You know, Dark Age went away. Came back. It's kind of gone away again. That's sort of cool in your knots way. Uh, Wrath of Kings is looking kind of bad. The GW games had, have their ebb and flow. They'll probably never go away, honestly, because they are a much bigger deal than anything else. But, uh, you know, it's, they're gonna ebb and flow. They're gonna, they're gonna rise and fall. It's just sort of the way, the way of games. And when the meta starts to go bad, you gotta, you gotta take it up. Um, now, some signs of the failing meta, so you can sort of see when you've started taking your game up, is show up to a game night. If you show up to one game night, not a lot of people there, especially like beginning of summer or something like that, around the holidays, it's no worries. Two nights, then you start to worry. Three nights, absolutely sure. And after a month, you should be in full, I don't want to say panic mode, but full switching gears and getting things going, you know, talking to the store, like, hey, how are your sales been? Do you need me to run some events? What do you need? You know, how can I help you? Because a lot of stores these days, and this is no dig on the stores, I love my FLGS, but a lot of stores are not going to put any work into one single game over and over because they don't care. They know gamers are going to spend their money regardless. 
They want games to succeed, because if games succeed, they sell more stuff. That's good for them and good for us. It's, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. But they don't care which game sells. They, they, except in the rare cases that maybe they get a better discount on one game over another, or one game requires more models over another, which is sort of how 40K and, Fan and Age of Sigmar go, because they require a little more models monetarily than other games. Besides from that stuff, they don't really care which game succeeds. I mean, they might have a personal favorite or a personal game they do not like, but for the most part, they're neutral. They don't care which game is going to succeed, which game is going to fail. They just want gamers to come in and play. So you got to take the onus on yourself to start scheduling events. It's like War Machine, you know, press gangers went out. Um, our local press ganger had been burnt out for a bit, uh, so he stopped running events. I pretty much stopped playing the game and having time to do stuff because life, and thus now we don't even have War Machine events locally. We don't have Legion events locally because no one's setting that stuff up. Probably should get somebody. We have Infinity events only because those guys are sort of hammering away at it. We don't have a lot of 40k events. You know, it's a handful of games that get the people who are the people who are supporting it or are easier to support. And no, I know it's not fucking fair that X-wing is so easy to support, so people support it all the time, and other games aren't, so people don't support it. But such is life, and you have to deal with it. But at that point, that's when you've got to be the man to jump up. You got to be or sort of woman. I am. Totally sorry, man or woman. You have to be the person to jump up, the gamer to jump up, and say, damn it, no, I love this game, we're going to keep this game going, let's keep playing it. And you'll find the more you play the game, the more visible you are playing the game, especially if it's still on the, on the shelf, people will get interested. People will be like, oh, where is this game? Where can I find this game? <clears throat> Show me this game so I can uh, take a look at it. Got to be willing to teach people, bring two armies for that game. If you Even if you only have one army for the game. You gotta have you got you, you gotta get a second one. You gotta get it into a good shape. I suggest even at least painting it basically something so that it's reasonably impressive on the battlefield. And you gotta get going. No, let's say let's say War Machine Horde starts to really really go down. I gotta make sure I have two painted armies, reasonably easy to play, so I can teach someone how to play. If I'm gonna be the man, you know, pushing that game, I have to be ready for that. And you gotta make sure you do everything you can to show them the right game and make it fun. I mean, the hell is some of these games are enjoyable for reasons other than quote-unquote fun. A lot of times War Machine is a great tactical experience, great strategical experience, great mental problem-solving, but not everyone wants that. So you need to show them how it can be fun other ways, and that's with all games. You don't just shit-stomp somebody with your 40k army of doom because they came in and they want to learn how to play. You're not going to keep players like that, but that's a whole different conversation. Triply so, though, if your meta is kind of dwindling, you're trying to get people in. I mean, you got to show them the, the whole game, but you can't just show them the shit stomp point. You got to show them the fun part. You know, here's my cool theme list, you know, themed list that has, uh, you know, just certain models in it. You know, this is something cool I wanted to play. So that looks cool in the battlefield. Show them all aspects of the game. Give them a chance to fall in love with the hobby. Because honestly, if they're looking at miniatures, they're predisposed already to buy some miniatures or paint miniatures or, you know, what have you. And make sure you have, you know, if you've got your small crew, make sure everyone's got their stuff together so that you can show people like, oh, you know, here's, uh, you know, here's Jimmy. He's a, he's a great painter, doesn't play as well as he paints, but look at his stuff. It looks amazing. He gets enjoyment out of that stuff and still loves playing the game. You know, here's Billy. Billy paints like crap, but he loves painting them up with the models, paint, models, uh, paint on the models. That was a tongue twister somehow, and I haven't even been drinking. Paint on the models and plays very well, but, you know, he's, that's his enjoyment, you know. Even if you have the guys who don't really like to paint, try and get them to do something with their models. Even, like, you'd be surprised how much just spraying them all a single color and maybe a wash could do a wonder for making them look better. It's like, that's what he wants to do with the models. But if they don't want to paint, don't force them. And explain. That's It's a good chance to explain. 
like, hey, look, you know, this is this is how Fred wants to play. Fred doesn't like painting models. He doesn't enjoy that. He enjoys putting them together. He enjoys playing the game. Those are all viable parts of the hobby. You got to show them all that. You got to show your love. You got to communicate it effectively and enthusiastically without seeming like an absolute crazy person, which is hard for us sometimes. I know, but that's uh, that's my basic thoughts on that. You, you, there's a lot more to it, but it all starts at those core. So sum up. If it looks like your meta is dying. You got to be the man, woman, gamer to take over. Start running events. Start being the ambassador. You got to keep your local crew playing. Don't let them go like, well, no one's playing it. So I'm going to stuff. No, because no one's playing it, you've got to bring your stuff. Bring your stuff. We're going to play a game. If you really want the game to succeed locally and you've got the time, you need to be bringing your stuff so you can play the game. There's no other way about it. That's just sort of how it goes. You have to do that. You have to get them to do that. And maybe you need to talk with your group when it starts to dwindle. Maybe your group's like, yeah, it's dwindling. I don't really want to play anymore. So fuck it. I'm not going to play. And you can't force them to. You can ask them to, you can beg them to, but you can't force them to, and don't make it anything more than it is. Sometimes people just don't want to play that game anymore. Um, but you got to get everyone you can playing all the time. You got to start running cool events, not just tournaments. I know we're all tournament focused here because that's sort of how America's become for a while. Win, win, win. We need to remember there's more to the hobby than that, and we have to communicate that. Um, so you can do all that, and you basically got to be a salesman too, because you got to convince someone to play this game over another one. It's like, why would I play this game? Like, they got twice as many people playing. Well, you know, this game's got this, this, and this. You just got to explain it. It might actually be worth it to sit down and think of your thoughts, why I love this game. Write them out. I have that stuff recently with certain games and other stuff in my life, and, and I realized, it made me realize some certain things about games and other parts of my life. Like, okay, I, you know, sometimes writing it all out just gives you that, that view of, oh, look at this. You know, I didn't realize I loved this game so much. You know, maybe I need to play it more. So there you go. Dwindling meta. It doesn't have to kill the game locally, but it may, but you can stop it, hopefully. You just have to use your enthusiasm and your uh, stubbornness to not let it die and uh, keep people in playing. Hopefully, you won't have to deal with that. Um, Ron. Alright, on to the movie section. Tonight I'm talking about Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. It was okay. I mean, it was okay. It's based off a comic book, I think a French comic book slash graphic novel. Um... So here's here's my basic capsule idea. It feels like they were trying to recapture the magic of the fifth element. And it's Luke Besson again, so that's not really surprising. Unfortunately, they missed. Happens sometimes. Um, you know, it, 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 it still shocks you when you look at the various parts of the fifth element. Somehow that movie came together and was great. Um, unfortunately, this just missed the mark. It's just it's too bad. Um, I went into it predisposed to not like it um, because I don't really like the leads. Dane DeHaan and Claire Delevingian, not not my favorites. Um, at the end of the day, I ended up liking Dane DeHaan more than I thought I would and ended up disliking Cara Delevingia as much as I thought I would. Um, the supporting cast was all pretty good. Um, in fact, I liked a lot of the minor characters they showed in it. They were amusing. Um, it's, it's visually stunning. Like, don't get me wrong absolutely visually stunning um the in the beginning part of it where everything's coming together is great it's just after that it starts to fall apart because it's too quirky and that's a problem because it's too quirky um it just doesn't hit the notes you want from something like this 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 it doesn't feel like a proper sci-fi epic epic it it also does it takes too long to tell its fucking story it has long periods where it goes off and like, oh, this is going to be cool, look at this. And we're like, no, it's not fucking cool. You're just fucking wasting my time. I ain't got time for you to waste my time. So, literally, there's this whole scene where uh, Lorelai, who's 
Loreline, played by Clara Delevingian, who is, you know, the partner to uh, the titular Valerian, is captured and he's got to do all this crazy stuff to get her back. That whole fucking scene could have been cut. It was unnecessary. It didn't further the plot. Oh, what did it do? Sorry. It furthered the subplot of romance between them, which was entirely fucking unnecessary for the entire movie. Not, I wasn't even believable. Like, they have no chemistry. Like, the way they act together, it's like they barely, barely, you know, can tolerate each other, which would have been also cool. That would have been so much more interesting to have them barely tolerate each other, but work well together so they're still a team. That's something I'd rather see. I mean, other than that, though, the aliens, a lot of them are really cool, except for the, but some of it's just, just plain fucking dumb. It's literally just like the fifth element, just it, the other end of the spectrum. Fifth element's like, how did this become good? But it's good. It's better than some of its parts. Valerian's worse than some of its parts. It just doesn't work. And that's really, that's really too bad because it has some good parts. It's got some enjoyant, uh, enjoyable stuff. Um, like I said, pretty much, I would say pretty much everyone who's who's not Cara Delevingian does a decent job acting in it. Most of the supporting cast, I mean, it's got uh, Rihanna is in a totally unnecessary scene, but she's good through it. Clive Owen's in it for a very short time, but he's solid in it. Um, Chris Wu from uh, <laughs> uh, the most recent Triple uh, X movie is fine in it. He's good. He's got a small role. Good. Rutger Hauer's in it for like 12 seconds. Does a good job. There's a bunch of people here who are like, yeah, this is good. There's a lot of good stuff here. It's just not enough good stuff. And that's sort of the problem. So it's free for Amazon Prime, as most movies are that I watch. Amazon Prime or Netflix. It's worth the free, but... As far as a rating, um, I'm probably going to start doing something more with ratings because I feel like just the single, you know, Shots of Kraken is not really the uh, end-all be of a movie. But I give it three Shots of Kraken. It's on the other side of mediocre just because the scenes where it don't belong is just, I like got up and got another drink. Well, in this case, another drink, but it wasn't alcoholic. But you know what I mean. It just wasn't really kind of annoying that that uh, just wasted so much of my time in the middle of it. There's like a, I don't 20 minute area where I'm like, you could have cut this entire shit out and you could have had some other, you know, interesting stuff. It's they try. It's quirky for no real reason at points. You like, you could have cut some of this out. You could have made this better. You really could have done good. But again, visually it is fucking stunning. Like whoever did the effects and whoever was, you know, cinematographer of this movie and all that, whoever drew it up on the storyboard, fucking amazing. Story-wise, fuck, stop wasting my goddamn... This is probably fine in a comic book slash graphic novel. I'm sure it would have been absolutely fine in that, because you've got more time to build everything up. Be like, okay, that's cool, we can build up, we can tell this stuff, we can have these cool, you know, sidetracks, because, you know, we're telling a bigger story, but in a movie, you just can't. You can't make your movie, you know, 137 minutes with 20 minutes of bullshit filler that doesn't need to be there, that is literally, like... We're going off to get this thing to solve this problem that we didn't need to have in the first place. The whole problem is like a side arc. You know, it's unrelated. It's it's like, come on. I mean, the initial one where... So I'll give a little spoilers here. Spoiler warning here. You've got my three shots of Kraken, you know, rating overall pretty worth watching because it's free. I wouldn't pay money for it. So here's a spoiler warning. So, sort of midway through the movie, Valerian goes after the bad guys who are who have the commander, and he wrecks. So, of course, Loreline has to go after him. That whole scene's a little quirky, but ends up being, okay, sure, it's fine. 
And then after he's after she's got him and they have their little bullshit lover lover spat, she gets captured by aliens who have nothing to do with the story at all. And he's got to go get to meet Rihanna's character and and get her to help him get in there to rescue her. Like it's nothing. Like sure, the action scene. There's some cool bits of the action scene there, but it's not worth it. You can't do an entire sidebar that's unrelated to the main quest to have an action scene that wasn't necessary because you destroy the entire pacing of the movie. We were on the story. I'd be like, oh, wait, sorry, we're back to the main storyline. Can we go do the main storyline now? Thank you. Thank you. <sighs> yeah, three shots of crack, and fucking... If, if any of you are spying screenwriters, think about that shit. Think about when you're going off on a tangent. If you're the second movie, and you know you got to do, you you got plans for a third, yes. First movie, you can't do it. I know you want to world build. I know you want to show that these two, that he loves her and he'll do anything for her. It, it, that was necessary plot to begin with. Find a better way to do it. Find a more, a tighter way to do it that fits in the story, doesn't make the movie overlong, and doesn't make your people go like, this has nothing to do with the main story. Like, you literally stopped the main story to go do this. Everything else, it was like sort of like a James Bond movie. The cold open had something to do with the rest of the movie. Awesome. I love it when they do that. Cool. But not good enough. It just paced kind of weird. Not Just not good enough. It's eight, three shots. But visually stunning, like I said. Um, I find it too bad when movies like this don't do well, because sci-fi is hard to come by. It's got some good sci-fi stuff, but... It kind of deserves to do mediocre. I know people love it. And if you love it, man, more power to you. It's just not my kind of movie uh, to quote the Australian comedy band Tripod. Get to the fucking monkey. So that's it for another episode, everyone. Thank you all for joining me. If you guys have any ideas for movies you want me to watch or game topics or anything in particular you want me to talk about, hit me up at John O. Spencer on Twitter, John Oakland Spencer on Facebook, and John Oakland Spencer at Yahoo.com is my email. Um, I'll be happy to take any sort of requests. I'll try and work them all in because, hey, coming up with topics is difficult. So next time for episode 23, I will be talking about, well, I have no idea what my gaming topic will be. I'll take a look, see if I've got something here. I think I got, uh, came up with some idea. We'll see what it is. Mystery topic. And then for the movie, so you guys can watch beforehand, I'm going to talk about Navy SEALs. That's right. The epitome of military movie. Okay, I'm actually lying. It is not the epitome of the military movie. I've seen it many times, but I wish to watch it again with a more critical eye and uh, give you guys my review. So I'll see you guys in a little bit with that one. Uh, have a good night, and Ron! <laughs>